Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cyber Weekly. I am Delgracious Okelo, your podcast host, and I am with Josephine Olok, my co-host. In this podcast, we talk about cybersecurity and all matters related to cyber. I am glad you made it. So, Josephine, how has your week been? <laughs> uh, not bad. A bit hectic, Dale, but hasn't been bad. Thank you. How, how about yours? Mine has been battling with school and yeah. getting things up and running here and there. But yeah. yeah. So have you done uh, have you got any certificates? Have you done any any exams this week for tests? Um yeah. I did a program for interviewing people uh on Skillshare. I needed to improve on that. So hopefully my skills will be exposed here either well or poorly, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh that's good. Well done on that. That's very good. Yeah. We'll see. So uh, there are two key areas we'll be talking about today, which is cloud computing and uh, and uh, I've got my notes right, is collaboration, yes. So now, cloud computing. So with cloud computing, we, we talk about, first of all, cloud being a platform where people can easily use virtual resources from anywhere in the world and can easily dynamically scale it up or down. Meaning if you want extra space, you can easily add more. If you want to reduce the space, you can reduce. If you want extra resources, all the computer resources being virtual and easily scalable. Yeah. So now, first of all, have you used cloud? Yes, I have. And um, what was your experience with it? I think uh, for me, it's about con convenience. I've been using cloud for a while now. Um, and, you know, having uh, software in the cloud, for instance, financial software in the cloud for us has been very, uh, it's been very easy to use. It means we don't have to manage our software in-house. We don't have to worry about upgrades and things like that. Uh, we don't have to worry about where the service is. So using cloud as a, uh, software as a service, that one has been very good. And obviously we use um, uh, email on the cloud. So for me, it's been, uh, it's been good because it's flexible and it's uh, convenient, and uh, a lot of what... overheads uh, are removed from that from it. Okay, so what are uh, some of the outstanding cloud platforms you've used? Um, I've used I've not only used I've used Google and uh, Microsoft Azure. Um, okay. Yeah. Which one stood out for you in your experience? I don't want to mention names of um, to be honest. Um oh okay, no, I've also used private uh, cloud, but to be honest, mm -hmm. they've all provided the same level of, of, of convenience. So I wouldn't say any anyone stood out. Okay. So in your perspective, what is a good cloud platform? I think 
what I think it depends. Again, it, it it depends a lot because it depends what you're looking for in a cloud, right? Um, so what I would say is is good. I think good is as I said, good good is relative, and I and I talked about uh using you know software on the cloud. So software as a service, then you also have other other models that you can use. Obviously, as infrastructure as a service or platform as a service. But I think um essentially what what um what I would consider good is cost. Cost obviously is a big factor, um and I think you have to be able to weigh the cost of having you know on-premise services or having you know stuff on the cloud and i think when you look at cloud it kind of it's kind of the the difference between renting and buying yeah or leasing and buying so on cloud you're you're renting you're renting space you're renting services on premises you're you're actually buying the things yourself but you have to look at the cost does the cost make sense i think that is one thing then the other thing is that how flexible is it in terms of how easy to, is it to use and is it available is it readily available um is it can you can you integrate it with what you have so if you're looking at going for cloud if you if you have applications already are you able to easily integrate those applications onto that platform or do you need to do some modification which doesn't help uh it's just it's a, is it secure? Is it available? Um, I think it really depends on on your needs, but also because it's you're engaging a third party. I think what's important is, uh, are you able to get support when something happens when something goes wrong? Because a lot of um, in terms of the compliance of of the of the setup, uh, it's important that you have uh, support and documentation that you're able to document. So if you have if you're a regulated entity, you're able to have contracts that say, what services are you getting? Uh, is it a shared platform? Um, is it a shared platform? You might be dealing with data that of, of people who um, might have data set where that doesn't allow your data to sit in certain geographical areas. So you need to be aware, aware of that when you, when you take your say data to the cloud. Um, so does that does it meet the compliance requirements of your organization? Um, is it secure? Do you feel secure? Do you have uh, SLAs with the vendor? Um, I think though, all those are important, but I think ultimately it's about what it is you're looking for and what kind of pricing or budget you are also having. But obviously, security and compliance are key with this. You're on mute. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to explain that one for a cybersecurity person. <laughs> Which so, one? Uh, being on mute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can companies exist in this day and age without, uh, without cloud? I would say... It depends on the company. Um, I think corporate companies, which 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 have a lot, which need the infrastructure. Um, I think, I think it's difficult for, for me to see them existing without, without without cloud. Um, I think what what COVID did was suddenly highlight the, the importance of being able to access 
your information, your application from anywhere uh, because you're not able to go to the office. So I think um, it's difficult now, especially post-COVID, uh, for me to see companies who who have the who have you know who have um, applications and systems not to have some element of cloud. Uh, on the other hand, of course, there are always companies that that don't operate online. I mean, in Uganda, let's be realistic. There are many companies that don't that still have the you know perhaps manual records, but obviously a lot of companies have computers and things like that. But there are still companies that would not operate on online. So, but I I find it hard to see that uh, that the total absence of cloud with uh, with many companies. Okay, so uh, in your experience, so how long have you used cloud? Um, I think it's hard to imagine to say because as a company, as a company, I would say for a long time, and I'm I'm saying it's hard to say because there's a lot of things that we assume are not cloud, but for instance, our email system has been running since um since the 90s yes and it's been it's not been we've not managed it in house since then so that's a long time so i'd say as far back as that okay. yeah. do you find it do you find it's a very important resource now like for emails yeah i, I think listen cloud is is, is um, making it easy to to roll out I mean, it plays a really critical part in digital transformation because you you don't then get hampered by having to invest in in infrastructure and things like that. I think what what cl cloud computing does is it kind of abstracts uh, the detail of some of the of the things that previously we had to do in house. So it allows you to then to focus on the things that you want to do. So I, I think, um, and, and and increasingly a lot of a lot of offerings. So before, for instance, you would buy, uh, if you take the example of of a financial uh, uh system, before you would buy the the disk, right? You buy the disk, you'd install it on your servers, you'd run it for whatever however length of time, and then uh at some stage you have to upgrade, then you buy. The upgrade and then you you put it on your server and then you you run it again. Now the suppliers of those kinds of things have now also migrated to the cloud because it must it makes it easier for them to 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 roll out as well. Um, so you find yourself now not being able to to even buy that disk and whatever and install it. Now you have to pay a monthly subscription for that service. So I think increasingly the technology is making it easier for um for for companies to to provide the service on the cloud um and you know less overheads for you as a company in the long term perhaps you know the cost versus the cost of leasing versus the cost of of, of purchase might be more but you know it is one of those things where technology is just going to keep moving and uh, do you do you say stuck or do you move, move with it you i think you have to move with it uh, you have to look at the cost, obviously, as an OPEX cost versus uh, a CAPEX cost, but this is the cost of doing business. First, explain those terms, by the way. Okay, Operator, operational expenditure. 
is 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 the is the cost that you it's like part of your fixed cost, yeah. So it's mm. a cost that you do you spend monthly. Then capex capex is your capital expenditure. So the cost cost of buying something like like an an asset like a, a car or a server or something like that. And it 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 also means capex normally you obviously it's a one a one off cost. Uh, and then you normally you buy that whatever you buy it becomes an asset that then gives you value. Opex cost is one of the costs that you have to keep spending over you know like on on a monthly basis. Oh, I'm sure a cloud means you are supposed to be spending on a monthly basis. Yes, it's it's definitely an operational uh, expenditure cost. Do you find it more challenging to do that? Or now, like in this, in the sense that you find that also cloud, you when it comes to upgrade, it's much more easier that you want to consume more in the long run. So, uh, when it comes to costs, do you find that using cloud is much more better in terms of cost because you find that you don't have to. You don't have to pay when it comes to upgrading. Like, okay, the costs for upgrading are less compared to if you already had a standalone, you know, server. So you have to again buy new hardware. And if you look at the cost, do you find that it outweighs the cost of actually using cloud? Uh yeah, you as I said, it depends. Yeah, but yeah, if you look at it that way, is that that cost that is the 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 actual uh financial cost, but the cost of of uh, that overhead cost of having to actually get somebody to upgrade and things like that, so that that tends to be a higher cost. But you have to do your um, you have to do before you before you do well. Also, your re return on investment, you have to look at it. And see, you know, before you say I'm gonna migrate to cloud, look at what does it make sense in terms of the cost. If I was to buy, and the 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 cost of 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 um of setting up the servers and all that that stuff cost versus the cost of leasing that you you need to look at that that cost and see what if it makes sense to your organization. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some key areas you highlighted at the beginning were support and SLAs. Could you highlight more on that and what you usually consider when it comes to those two items? Okay, so I think with uh, with any third-party vendor that a company signs on, you need to first of all be very clear what services you're getting from that vendor. And then also, it's it's also okay. You start obviously with what what require what are my requirements, then it's what services what what can that vendor provide against those requirements, and then have something contractual that ensures that the vendor delivers against those requirements. Now with with cloud computing, the there should also be the element of of um, because it's a third party service. Uh, and I'm relying on that service to be available. I need to be able to have some levels of availability and some some contractual 
that allows me to you know to, to get back some calls so so service server agreement that says your availability for instance needs to be 99% 98% in the event that that is not available what are the consequences do i get uh, some money back or whatever it is so you, you need to have something contractual that allows that to happen you need to have uh make sure that at the end of the day when you your service is sitting in the cloud and you are responsible for delivering that service. You cannot outsource the responsibility for that service. So the only way you can ensure that the service is delivered against what you uh, as you want it is that you. I think it's the best thing to do is do it contractually. So if if um, if your service goes down, it's not going to be the third party that explains to your customers, for instance, why the service is down. You need to make sure that. The the vendor is able to have say backup plans. Uh, the the vendor is not going to give you slow speeds of access, for instance. Uh, that you you that if you want, for instance, to have to upgrade the storage, that it's going to be easy. So all those requirements need to be things. So that that is a level of support you want. That you you have contact people on the vendor side. You don't want it to be so abstracted. So so abstracted that you don't even know who to deal with in the event that the service goes down. So you, you need to be have to know contract uh, contact people who you can you can deal with uh, in the event that something wrong happens. Because at the end of the day these things happen. You need to be a level of comfort that uh, the security systems in place uh, for that. You need to make sure that it's not easy to access your systems online. So make sure that the vendor has some kind of uh, identity and, and access management uh, that way that you're comfortable with. So all those are factors that you have to that should be uh, contractual that will allow you to govern that that um, uh, that agreement or contract with the with the vendor. You're on mute. It's becoming a habit. Um, I, I don't know what's happening today. <laughs> so, would you feel safe keeping information in the cloud within Africa or in another continent? I think it just depends on the cloud service provider and whether they have have a record or not. Um, it, it it I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. I think also I think obviously where where the cloud is based is is you know, determines perhaps uh, things like speeds of access and things like that. But this is all things that you, it's all the due diligence that you need to do to make sure that you're comfortable. Um, and and I think, you know, the cloud that you use has to depend on, on what it is you're using it for. So you wouldn't want, you wouldn't, if you, were, if you had data which had uh, data for, say, which is, uh, you know, data on, on, on customers who are European, for instance, you don't want to fall foul of, of the GPTR, G, GDPR, GDPR regulations about where the data sits. So you don't want the data, for instance, to sit in the US, because in the US, when data sits there, it means that the authorities have easy access to it, for instance. Um, so there's some restrictions on, on, on where that data sits. So you need to, you need to make sure that what you're using it for does not conflict with your regulations, but it also meets your requirement. Your requirements. So I wouldn't say 
I wouldn't say I wouldn't put it anywhere. It has to be based on what, what I need it for. So now, like, the government regulations, which are, are concerning uh, cloud, especially here in Uganda, that you're supposed to make sure that information of Ugandans are kept within, and uh, they're particular, they're not supposed to be accessed by other external parties. How do you handle such situations? I mean, I think the easy answer to that is that you don't you don't then put that in the cloud where you don't know where the, the cloud is placed. It needs to be cloud based in Uganda. Yeah. Next is um collaboration. Now with the collaboration, this was inspired by that story of Qatar and Rwanda partnering to improve the technology in in Rwanda, among them being uh, the the research for AI and also for uh, the. This collaboration with Qatar involves improving public key infrastructure and the public key yeah, infrastructure and support for AI research. So now, how me, I'm not very comfortable with, you know, having AI involved, especially when it comes to, to, to key information, like public key information. So are you, what are your opinions concerning that? Do you agree with it or? Maybe I should ask you why you're not comfortable with it. Well, um, because I don't know where the information is being kept and also being mined and how is it, how is it the implication of the information being misused? And remember with, AI, you're supposed to train the algorithm to, you know, do what you, you want it to do. So it has to use a particular data set in order for it to come up with with a solution. Just like any other person, you get gather information that you, you know, choose the best alternative based on the information you've got. So yeah. I don't know how much information it requires and where it is, how it's managing it in order for it, for me to be like, yes, I completely believe you. And at what extent is, does this benefit me or does it benefit you more from collecting the data? And, and uh, there are back doors that you find that the person who actually created for you this application is actually you know, siphoning information based on what you are giving it. So yeah, those are like key worries for me when it comes to AI. Okay, I I, I hear you there. That that makes sense. Um, when I was, when I read the um the collaboration agreement between um that, that you shared the link you shared with Qatar and Rwanda. I got the impression that it was more about um it's kind of 
exchanging information and developing and, and, and strategies around um, uh, developing infrastructure, so public infrastructure, and also doing more research and development into AI. So that is what I think I got. And, and, and from, the, from the brief look I had at it, that is the first impression I got. Uh, the first, I didn't think of it as my first concern. It wasn't a concern. It was, my first thought was, this is good because uh, both sides will, will collaborate in research, yeah? And look at research in terms of, of how that research can benefit key, st key sectors in both, on bo in both sides. So if you look at um, how AI could be used to set up, I think they talked about smart cities and things like that. Because at the end of the day, AI is not going to be restricted to, to any one sector. It can be used in many sectors. So I thought if you have um, a relationship where uh, there's collaboration, but also support in terms of research and development, which costs money, uh, and, and one party is able to fund that and help uh, perhaps um, further the, the research ideas, case studies, use cases, uh, innovation capacities of another, of another. And you share knowledge and collaborate. I didn't see that as a bad thing at all. Um, perhaps it would be interesting to know then, I know to address your concern is, who is developing the AI and, and and who has control over it if you're collaborating. I think that would be where I would kind of be concerned. But at the, uh, on, the, on the onset, I would say, yeah, I mean, why not? It, it's, it's like institutions or university institutions collaborating in research and development and then exchanging ideas to develop that research even further. So I don't see that initially as a concern, but I do get what you're saying. Okay. So do you so you've dealt with collaborations before and uh, you know one a good example would be maybe companies getting on board with interswitch or visa so that they can improve their technologies and all that or MasterCard, you know, to make payments more easy. Uh do you find them challenging? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's a very, uh, interesting question because I think it's, it, it's anything that is where you have a relationship with somebody else is always going to be challenging. Um, you know, it's never going to be easy because you have, especially business relationships and partnerships, you need to have, um, you need to have a, a relationship where you're both gaining from that partnership. I think it's challenging relationships are where you feel uh, perhaps you're dealing with a monopoly and you have no choice in some of the terms and agreements that that monopoly is offering you. And I won't mention names here, but it's 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 it, it, it I think it's difficult, especially in the financial industry, to be to operate alone because there are so many dependencies, there are so many strategic partnerships that you have to have. So as you said, you know, Mastercard. ATM switching, all those are things that it's very hard to have a network of ATMs without 
going through an aggregator like uh, say InterSwitch, because because then it you limit yourself by your network. But if you then connect to InterSwitch, it means you can use any other ATM anywhere in the country, which makes sense, right? But I think the challenge is how do you ex um, execute the agreement so that it is beneficial to both of you and you're not you don't feel like you're losing, uh, you know whether it's on transaction costs or, or what have you. So sometimes it's about um, having, in the beginning, having an agreement that, that, that meets that requirement, but also it's about monitoring uh, that agreement and having, um, having um, and making sure that it continues to meet your requirements, uh, being able to have um, the ability to change or exit the agreement is fine, but it's it is the relationship that you keep working on, uh, because it's not going to be it doesn't just stop at having signing an agreement. It stops at it's it keeps on going every day. You've got to work at it. Uh, it's like a marriage. You have to nurture it. Yeah. Uh, do you find that sometimes? Uh, uh, why do they sometimes fail? This collaboration. You, yes, basically that. Why do some collaborations fail? I I think they don't. Perhaps they don't work down the line. I think we all start off with nice nice ideas. You know that, you start off knowing that this is going to, uh, make, you know, you with in business sense, you normally start off knowing, that if I enter this uh, into this agreement. I know that you can even project that you're going to make money because this is what is going to happen. Either you're going to get more transactions from uh, a, a wider ATM network or whatever. So you, you're you looking at it from, uh, you're forecasting a relation, uh, um, some profits or some gains from this relationship. So one of the failures is down the line, you realize that actually perhaps uh, the cost of, of this transaction doesn't make sense and I'm not making money because the money that I'm making, perhaps a lot of it is going back to, to the apartment. So that's one cost. Um, environments change. Uh, so the economic environment changes. Somebody might, might, it might not become, it might not be cost effective anymore because it becomes too expensive. Um, it might be that, 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 the other party, their 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 circumstances change. Perhaps they get taken over. Perhaps they lose money in another thing. So there's so many reasons that things can change. But as a, you know, the the environment is is always going to change. Um, whether it is a political environment, social, it's it's a business strategic. So there's so many things that can happen that make it go wrong. Uh, but at the end of the day, um. You know, companies are, are, are staffed by human beings. So, you know, things will always change. You're mute. How do you usually manage now in terms of if you find that the company you're collaborating with has very stringent uh, agreements, yet you need the service how do you manage that? I think you, you have to be able to negotiate. Um, 
you have to be able to negotiate for terms which are which suit you. Um, but and if you can't do that, then you should have the option of walking away. I think if if you if you if you get into an agreement where you're not winning, it's unlikely for you to ever win. Does it usually always boil down to like cost benefit and uh, yes, does it usually boil down to cost benefit, especially in terms of collaboration? Um, I think that's a key driver. That's a key driver, definitely. Um, but I think there are other factors that you have to uh, consider. Um, but I would say that is a a key driver. Uh, um, I, but you know, a lot of everything that a business does should also be driven by the business's strategic objectives. So even if it's beneficially good for you. If it doesn't meet with your strategic objectives, if it, if your strategic objectives change, your circumstances change, and that agreement or that collaboration no longer meets your objectives, that could also be a good reason not not for it to, to for you to end that collaboration. Yeah, and and collaborations also don't have to be uh, open ended. You know, they 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 can be time bound. It might you might collaborate because you need deliverable project. Maybe it's a one-year project, or two-year project. After that, perhaps you don't then need, you don't need to continue to collaborate. Or you might have uh, gained expertise in an area on which you had previously collaborated, and you no longer need that that collaboration. So there are different circumstances um, under which we we end that. I guess we shall end there for today. Thank you all for attending and. Uh... See you in the next one.